This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. I am the co-writer of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week, we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever else is on your mind. This week's episode is called Birth Story Number Two. We will be answering your listener questions, including a question about a partner's social media use and having bed bugs. Then we're talking about what's in the news, the best staycation cities, and why you should spend some time apart from your partner. But first, it's great to be back on the show. I missed all of you listeners out there last month while I was on maternity leave. I took a month break from recording the show, and little Angela, Angie Pie, and Ian Pie, as I like to call them. I don't know why I call them that. They I, they probably don't enjoy the nickname, but in, <laughs> anyways, Angela and Ian stepped in for me for a month, so I hope you had fun listening to them, and yeah, it's great to be back. Um, I'm going to be back with Angela next week, but this week I thought since I was away giving birth, I would do an episode about that experience, and so to do this episode, I would like to welcome my guest co-host this week. You know him. He's been on many an episode in the past. He's our producer, edits our podcast together, gives us his his sage advice. He's also my wonderful husband, baby daddy, talented painter. Welcome back to the show, Nick Rad. Hello. I, I'm, uh, I'm also co-author, executive producer on our two children. So I feel like that's co-author, my... Co-author. Yeah, yes. co-author. Yeah. I said baby daddy, which is... Yeah, I need it. Uh, yeah, baby daddy's fine, but I like, you know, let's go co-creator co-author co-creator i don't know about co-author as i don't know if that's gonna you don't really like catch it? on all right but well. co-creator for sure that's okay. very i like that all right well it's a it's a work in progress so we're figuring out the titles as they are go. half you and half me which i still find mind-blowing <laughs> my friend eloise said to me one time she said she said i look at our children our dog is growling in the background. It's hard to record a podcast yeah, when you've got that's, two kids sleeping. Uh, should we go with it? I mean, I guess this this is like cinema this verite style. This it's like life. there's always a dog growling. There's always a kid crying. Yep. Uh, there's always going to be something happening. But anyways, we'll keep going. Um, right. My friend Eloise said to me, she has two boys also. And way before we had our children, she said, there's no better representation of like love than like our children. They're literally half of me and half of of her her partner and i don't know when she, she said that to me it always stuck with me i was like wow you look at your children like you've literally created a human being that is half you and half another person is there any more representation of yeah. love that you could have and then of course you know you get like teenage pregnancies <laughs> and one night stand pregnancies and all that <laughs> but but when you are in love it can be beautiful well, there's yeah, that that's still a representation of something. I it's mean, it could also be beautiful too. I do you so the half you half me thing. I mean, that's like biological, but it's interesting because I, we have uh, our first child who 
to a person everyone who sees him is like that's a laura clone like yeah. <laughs> like 100 you and he's my twin i i don't think anybody would uh would pick him out of a lineup as as my son uh so yeah how does that make you feel when you like like for me it is kind of it's like an out-of-body experience to look at him and then yeah and then feel like i'm looking at myself sometimes and you know everybody has a little like self dysmorphia so it's hard for me yeah. to be like exactly like what it like i can I know people are not crazy when they say he's my twin, but it's right. also hard for me to look at him and be like, what part of me is you? It's not like I'm looking at myself in the mirror, but I, I'll see certain expressions and I definitely am looking at a person that I know resembles me. Is it, I mean, he's got like the blue eyes and the blonde hair and you are like more, a little more olive toned with like dark hair and brown eyes. Yeah. But I think specifically I, as someone who spent a good chunk of my life drawing like the human face. And oh form, yes. Yeah. So there's like a, thing that he has which is just like the shape of his like eye sockets and his eyes are like they're yours like it's like somebody just popped oh, them into your head i can't believe we've never talked about this yeah. where like you <laughs> can think about this as a painter and a drawler okay tell me more well it's just i mean it, he there's like a universal baby shape proportion thing that's different than like Big bobblehead. Yeah, yeah. So the bigger eyes for cuteness, so you don't totally. like leave them out in the wild <laughs> when they're being nuts. Yeah, there, yeah. I guess there's there's also like the biological sort of ideations of like why these things are, but uh, but those things like notwithstanding, you can kind of like see. Oh, okay. This is like the part of your face that's going to grow into this as an adult, and so the eyes in particular, like he just has. He just has the the structure of your eyes, like he just uh, he, like from the minute he was born, he just sort of had it. And then I really see it with your like dad, like he just because you guys have similar eye shape. But uh, do do my dad? It's weird to like look at my parents and like I don't yeah. think I resemble them. You know what I mean? I that that is an interesting thing because I think in terms of like thinking structurally about it, I do think an individual person has a little bit of like facial blindness of to their own face. Like it's just very For hard sure. to conceptualize it. But, uh, but part of, I mean, weirdly like part I of, I look the, like my dad. I was, people always tell me, I was like, if anything, I look like my mom when you, she was younger. You do look a lot like your mom, but it's just, it's specifically like the eyes. I can really see it. It just like when, uh, like in his like, facial gestures too it's like i don't know that i see my dad in his facial yeah, gestures for sure. and that's really cool but yeah i don't know I, it's just kind of an interesting thing like looking at a little kid and sort of uh deconstructing what's there but it but that's like the look part of it but then you know as we as we raise him together it's 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 very cool to see him sort of like absorb certain parts of my personality and certain parts of your personality and kind of reflect those back and so that's that's very cool. But yeah, nobody, nobody, uh, nobody sees him and goes like, Oh, that's definitely your son. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting because physically like that, that's like a nature, not nurture thing. But like we were at the botanical garden the other day and I was looking at, it was very clearly like a mother and a daughter and they were like just barely hunched over in the same way and moving their arms when they were talking in the same way. And it was so, it like totally creeped yeah. me out where I was like, that's not a nurture thing. That's a nature thing, but it's how you're moving yeah. and like how you are like conducting yourself physically in the world. And like, that was really nuts where I was like, does he move like us? Like that's, it's so weird. Yeah. it's Like I can see you, your dad, like you and your dad, like, mm -hmm. Your mom is so petite and 
and you're, I don't know, you, it's funny though, you're not like super, super, you're not as tall as Jab, but you, everybody always says, they're like, Nick was what, six, two, six, three, like you carry yourself as like, though you're like your dad. Well, I, I always stand on my tippy toes and I, I don't try know. To, I try to stand next to like smaller sized things, you know. Yeah, I don't important. know. I mean, I, th- I think of you as a tall person. You're not like a basketball player, but you're tallish, but um, yeah, I see like more of your dad in you. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, it's, it's a fascinating thing with kids i you we spend more time around this human than anyone ever will at least up until the point that he like leaves home so our perceptions of him are like very nuanced whereas like well also we see him every day so it's harder to notice change sure but but i'm just saying like there's the thing of like if you just see him once every six months you're gonna have like a big impression and that's gonna be like oh he looks like laura or he's doing this like you know so it's like stuff that you and i like kind of lost on us yeah for sure yeah it's fat i I just find it i still like you would think i'm not so fascinated and all but it's all so magical and like mind-blowing to me it's like there's someone in the world that's like a part of me and also just to think like they're 25 percent my parent my mom 25 percent my dad it's like genetics are crazy but anyways this is this episode (laughs) is the birth story so um so what i was thinking for this episode was i we would kind of hear your perspective of a baby number two and the birth from your point of view for the first part and then you know we'll answer listener questions do the news story all that fun stuff and then and then in the when we dive into the topic of the week you can ask me anything you just haven't thought to ask me while we've been like locked together for the last two months now our baby's two months today um as we're recording this um so I'm curious to know the birth story from your perspective. If like yeah. one of your guy friends were like, what was the birth like? Well, how would you answer? <laughs> Obviously I was there and you were talking to me, but if I wasn't well, there. I not, yeah. Okay. So I hear you, how you would tell somebody. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it seemed like the week leading up to it, you, you were maybe trying to cancel the birth. You were, you were wanting to, to not, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you were seeing if you could, uh, <laughs> You could just like delay and uh, push it down the road, which I understood because for you, it, this is a surgery. We're talking. I don't. I, how we're we're telling everything here, right? That's you're okay yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, tell me. I mean, I, the the yeah. podcasters they they know. You know and they know. we did the episode, I think, like a little bit together before sure. the birth. So right. I think everybody knows that I was born with half a uterus. I'll catch people up real quick if they're <laughs> this is the first episode you've ever listened to out of like over three hundred episodes. Uh-huh. I was born with half a uterus. My babies don't <laughs> have my babies don't have room to turn, so they're breech, which means I have to have a C-section. I tried everything I could to get them to turn. There's things you can do, like I don't know, standing on your head, um, uh-huh. but it didn't work. So yeah. I knew going into this birth, I was going to have a C-section. Um, yeah, th- I think that that's enough to catch people. Yeah, up. That's uh, and good, it would though. be my second I, C-section and my first one. If you listen to like the post-birth episode, yeah. it was awful and I hated it. Totally. So that so we're I mean that's that's the headline of like going into this whole thing, which is super understandable. It's like this. First off, we did it the first time, and you knew what it was, and you knew you didn't like it. It's incredibly painful, and I I've never had major surgery, but I've watched you have major surgery twice and i know i never want to have that (laughs) happen to me you know or anything like that so (laughs) what was it yeah it is and nick is accurate in that i had a he didn't say these words but i had a full-blown panic attack (laughs) leading a week up to it nick didn't understand what was happening to me i was like i I had it happening to you but i had like 
basically like a total. I freak. I freaked out on everyone. Freaked out about everything, and then just didn't show up for my blood yeah. work <laughs> and my COVID test that you have to do before you have the C section. Right. But yeah, but I also like leading up to. I don't understand people that are like, I want to have a C section. Like it'll be the easier route. Like I think those people are nuts. I don't know if they're they've just had surgeries in the past and they're just like surgery's no big deal, or they I don't they have a higher pain tolerance than I do. I I truly it blows my mind because it was one of the it's like the most awful thing. Like I had never had major surgery before this, and I was just so horrified feeling like I'd been like filleted open. So needless to say, I didn't want to do that again and had a scheduled C-section, which was supposed to make everything easier. And anyways, I'll let Nick finish well, I his perspective. It, but, it but you're right. I tried to cancel my surgery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I, you know, I did understand that that's the driver of what's going on and that you're not, not really in control of the way you feel emotionally about an inevitability, you know, which is like, there's this, child in you that's going to come out and like we you know there's, there's only one way there's only out. one way and and the doctors sort of tried to make a plan for it but no matter what they're going to tell you 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 know that it's going to be miserable so yeah. you know you're you're sort of cycling through like how to deal with that and it's it's not a logical thing it's not something that you can really like so yeah that kind of week leading up was um challenging and i think uh felt bad because your mom was with us she must have thought i was like a crazy lady yeah my, my mom <laughs> my mom was a a, a yeah. nurse in a uh what do you call it i ob what do you call it on like the she birth, was an OB, a birth i don't know on the on baby the birth nurse? wing of a hospital baby for nurse? Um, no but not like yeah. not a baby nurse but just a nurse in the birth ob nurse part of the hospital <laughs> clearly i don't know we don't work in the, the terminology field. but um, so I, you know, I think she's like familiar that people are in all different kinds of states for this, uh, she was very yeah. understanding and generous, but yeah, anyway, so that's like a really traumatic thing, like leading up to it. Um, but I think, the but it was also, I was also just shocked that I had made it that long. Cause I kept being like, oh, yeah. I like with Rilo, our first son, um, my water broke. So it was like, Oh, okay. This is like when it's happening, like, you know, it, he was three weeks early and it was like, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening. And so it felt weird to be like, I'm going to take this baby out, but my water hasn't broken. It also just like felt different. He had stayed in so yeah, much I think, longer. I, I think some of that is like great, but also like, it just felt so weird. To be well, like, I, I'm... I think that you think about this a lot and it, it's worth thinking about. It's like, there's this complicated personal and philosophical thing about like medical intervention versus natural things, you know? And like, this is like a, circumstance where like there's really nothing at all natural about the process of a c-section it's like it when you think about it if if you were like an alien and you came to earth and like you like witnessed this it, it would be the most fascinating like you'd just be like this this animal is either really evolved or really sadistic like this is just wild what it's do like you cut a out. human out and yeah. like what's crazy is c-sections used to only happen when the mom was either comp like dead and they were just trying to save the baby or the mother was like near dead and there was no way to save her and they were trying to save the baby so they used to happen like like it's amazing that we have made such advances in the in the medical field that you can have a c-section to save and protect both the mother and the baby. And so I am both like so grateful that my body that was born in its like missing parts 
that that I was born today when I can give birth safely to a child and I'm, you know, that I'm alive and my children are alive. Like that is a medical miracle. And so I found myself in this weird place where I was both so grateful that, okay, I can have a planned, you know, C-section because he stayed in longer than my first son did. So we made it as far to be able to, to plan it. And and yeah, I don't want to do it and it feels not natural and I want my water to break and I want to go into labor, but like, but also why? Because I can't give birth most likely. Um, anyways. Yeah. Okay. So I had a but, freak. So going right. back, what was that freak out like for you? Were you like, uh, what do I do with this person? Yeah. Well, right. Because I, I understand why you're having it, but that there's a difference between understanding like why you're feeling it and and knowing what to do in response and also just like knowing I can't prevent or really aid in any of the things that are going to, that are causing you the understandable trauma you're experiencing and about to go through. So it's sort of this like helpless feeling of kind of being like, I mean, I'm, I'm just here for it, but, uh, it kind of sucks, you know, like, yeah, well, cause I might not be nice to you and you're not like a trained therapist necessarily to be able to like recognize, to be like, Laura, like, I can tell you're having an anxiety attack. Like, how can I yeah, help you? I don't, Instead, you're like, why are you being a fucking dick to me? Well, no, I don't think that's how I talk. But well, okay. you don't talk like that. But no, but I think it's like, I think that I'm there. So I'm like, a, and I'm the person that you confide how you're feeling with, but you're not really in a place to like navigate your feelings in a, with much concern for like, you know, like other people, other people. No, I'm so, in panic. I'm in yeah, full blown panic. panic so you're kind of seeing everybody and anything as like hostile to like you because you feel I'm in fight or flight. Yeah, mode. and your and your instinct is fight always. So I think that that's kind always. Of the, yeah, I think that you, which is like a you know, I think like if a robber were to like come in the house, you know, you would you would uh, surprise yourself by like jumping up and trying to fight. Like I think you just have like. um like conflict for you is more comfortable than avoidance. I just feel like that's like a natural sort of setting for you, which is great in many, many circumstances. And it, I don't think we, as people are in control of that. We are one way or the other. I'm the opposite. Like, I don't like Yeah, conflict. I mean, I definitely like, uh, like, yeah, I would like, I, maybe it's being like the older sister, I would always feel like I needed to protect my younger siblings. Yeah, you, you And then like, just like, sure. definitely like trauma I went through when I was younger. I think like as an older evolved person, I'm like, I definitely have a, I won't take any crap instinct. I will like stick up for others and myself. And so that's definitely, I'll, I'll agree that that's, and, and I can like see why that's been an evolution in my personality based on like yeah. the way I grew up and like things that happened to me. Yeah. So that, so that energy coming into the hospital is, uh, is, is complicated because I mean, hospitals are so weird. You know, there's people there going through the best day of their life and going through the worst day of their life. And then there's staff who some of them are like really w willing to like get in there and deal with it. And then others have like more of like, I'm about to have a sandwich energy. And so there's like a weird mix of like, there's blood and gore and, and, uh, and patience. And then there's people who are kind of like tired and don't really want to talk to you and are just like not letting you like, you and there's need... people that are like sympathetic and kind totally. and then other people that just think that they like they don't like listen to the patient yeah. and like do whatever the hell they want. Like I 
well, the told everybody is, the that I did not is, want. The patient is in the way of whatever they're trying to their do. Thing is, and yeah. so they just kind of like deal with you. Basically, like I told everyone I do not want narcotics or opioids. I said that like a million times, and then the 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 anesthesiologist left and her like assistant came in apparently he didn't get the message and i was like i'm feeling more pain and he immediately without even asking gave me propofol propofol whatever that makes me very like awful like i'm on another planet and i was like stop it stop it anyways whatever i just and then yeah and then i'm at and then i'm angry i'm like why did you do that i said i didn't want that i feel violated like yeah i definitely feel like i also just you have to be your own advocate. <laughs> I think also, yeah, after like having my appendicitis thing where I almost died, I'm like, you just, in medical settings, nobody else will be your advocate. You need to be your own advocate. Or yeah. You, or well, you might die. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the doctors were great. And yes, and my I doctors think that, were great. Um, you know, I don't know. There's just a bunch of, there are a lot of interactions that happen during like a C-section that you as the, patient and as the <laughs> spouse of the patient have very little control over and very little knowledge going into like what's going to happen so you're just trying to navigate really quickly like uh, can I do anything here and and that that just happens a lot just like everything from like checking in to for sure you know to like holding the baby to all these things that it's like you, you feel like I want to I've got an idea here of what I want to have happen, but ultimately I don't really have a voice in this environment. And so, um, so anyway, I'm just trying to get, you know, to the, get to the place where everyone's resting comfortably, comfortably and happy. And like, what's the fastest way to get there? So yeah, like some, some people like in the middle of surgery want to think that like having small talk about like, what's your other child's name? Where are they right now? And, yeah, like, that's like, 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 is like a good, is like totally. that, that's like their tactic. Of, and maybe that works great for some patients and they and maybe some patients that are in the middle of surgery find that like distracting and helpful. But for me, in any medical setting, when there's like something serious happening, like I really don't want to be having small talk with you yeah. about unrelated things. I really just want to like focus or try to meditate or like visualize something. I'm not trying to focus on your random ass questions with this person I'm never going to see again. So like that kind of stuff drives me crazy because like people try to do it even like when you're at the gynecologist like i really don't enjoy the like so what are you working on while you're like in my <laughs> vagina like like don't try to have <laughs> i just find it strange but i also find you know that must work for some people cuz doctors do it all the time yeah i well there's i i, just, I, I don't know we, i can't like over describe the scene cuz i'm not sure it's helpful to anyone who like isn't going to go through it but you know you're sort of sitting there with like a thin sheet between you and your like exposed organs and a and a child that's being pulled out of you and like the doctors who do this every day who are like you know in good spirits so there's like a weird contrast because trying not to just be like the proper response feels like from me as your husband to just be like screaming the whole time like no like what's happening like just like well, they gave a whole talk to you and they were like, look, yes, you we have, have to sit one, down, yeah. they said, we have one patient. I don't, like the anesthesiologist was a boss and I loved her. Yeah, she was cool. She yeah. was super cool. But she goes, I don't want two patients. 
And so if you're well, going to get nauseous and you're going to get sick, I don't want you in there. I need you to sit down. Do you need some apple juice or some saltines? Because you need to have that now. Because I'm not, you pass out, all of a sudden the medical team is not going to be able to take care of your wife. They're going to have to like, they'll be, you know, whatever. And she gave like a whole speech to Nick. And Nick's like, I will not pass out. I will not get sick. And like, but did you know for a fact you would not get sick? Because I, yeah, I've always, I, I've I, always I, been okay with blood and gore. I don't know why. Like I, I like if I've seen it in my life where like something like very bloody and ugly happens right in front of me, and I don't. It doesn't. I don't know why. It just it doesn't like gross me out, and I don't like. But I understand what she's saying. I'm sure plenty of people like feel that way about themselves, and then they like look at their partner and they're like they pass out you know <laughs> like i yeah, yeah. It just i mean i me, i but. just have learned that about myself is i have like these really involuntary reactions <laughs> to things like when like i'm hysterical a... laughter is <laughs> your is your main <laughs> response to somebody getting hurt you just start laughing hysterically <laughs> I do. which is no uh... no it's not just for people getting hurt it's just anytime i'm really uncomfortable like even my poor son like will get hurt and i'll just like I don't. I really think there's something wrong with my brain. I you're, just you're my, jokerified. You're uh, <laughs> my un you're, my uncomfortable, like scared reaction is to uncontrollably laugh, or like I just like I go into like freak out mode. So I would not trust myself being in the room with somebody having a C-section. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the doctor calling was probably not uh, the path for you either because it's uh, it's a little disturbing uh, reaction. If you get hurt in front of Laura Lane, be careful. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I don't. We we got through it. I I think that you definitely uh, were just like a huge champ uh, the first time, but this time even more so because I think you had at least some expectation of what was going to go on. And, and I wasn't mean to, to anybody, right? No, you weren't mean. You said because you said I was like going to the hospital that I was like a fighter. I wasn't. Uh, but, before the week before not the in week the hospital before, yeah. and I, I think I, I think that you're on edge at a hospital because of your experiences in the past at a hospital so you're you're you know when a nurse is like trying to tell you that something has to go one way you're very suspicious of it and you should be because I think that that you get that a lot at a hospital where like a nurse doesn't really want to spend a lot of time explaining what's going on to you so they're just kind of like trying to shuffle you along which all sympathy to them. I'm sure their jobs are complicated, but uh, in those there's also good nurses and bad nurses. Totally, and we like, really in ran the recovery. The we yeah. had like the worst nurse ever who got like well, so overwhelmed if you asked for two things simultaneously. Like, can I have ice and Tylenol? And she was like, Ugh. Yeah, and I, you know that because you, you want to like give everyone the benefit of doubt and sure. feel like this was her like worst day ever. But like that that person in particular was like, you could just you could say three a sentence to her and she was frazzled like immediately and yeah, she was mad was going and like, on. yeah it was so it was weird it was weird so like but then we we lucked out and had uh the same nurse uh that had taken care of us with for our first son and, and she that was, was like amazing. a sign that totally. i was like that gave me so much instant comfort because she was i remember her being like so incredible and empathetic and kind and also extremely like capable at her job and never frazzled or overwhelmed and just was a calming presence with with the first time and it was like oh i never thought we would have the same nurse again that was really really special actually yeah I, and i keep wanting to like write her a note or something yeah so that was like I, I would say those are the highlights because after 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 we were able to get through the the traumatic surgery part we had a long kind of crappy had to wait forever in a room with a very 
because I couldn't nurse. like pee enough or something. <laughs> because you couldn't pee. I don't know. You know these. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. We were sitting somewhere for many hours because because of that, and then finally we were able to like go to the room and ran in, and that was our nurse. And then like life was pretty good in the hospital after that comparatively i think you know i don't know what your expectations were but like you you seem to be able to really like manage the I circumstance i came much with like a whole duffel bag of yeah. like i because like I, I i don't know you can dm me if you want more like c-section <laughs> tips but like some of the worst pain is like gas pain from the medicine that you take to like relieve the pain so like going into it i was like no narcotics no opioids i was like i'm gonna manage my pain otherwise and then like your digestion can be some of the most painful stuff so i brought like psyllium husk which is like an all-natural like colace i brought like my chia seeds my magnesium my matcha like i like i brought all these things that would just like help me feel good <laughs> and i had my like oils and i just i had I was more prepared for taking care of myself this time. Um, so that, which just made the experience a lot better. Obviously it was still really extremely painful, but I think I was actually surprised at how like better I was able to cope this time and how the pain went away a lot quicker. I think actually because I weirdly wasn't on as many pain medications, the pain was less worse, which like doesn't, make logical sense um but i kept taking more pain medications because i was taking the other pain medications that were giving me whatever like basically creates like gas pain and like digestion pain that's like so severe you think it's from this incision anyways needless to say we got out of there three nights versus five nights which is what we did the first time yeah and uh and yeah so i the hospital was nice it's uh, the one that we went to is right next to central park and there's a you got to go on a couple runs. Yeah, which is, <laughs> and there's this like little quirk of like, I don't know, being a dad, which is like, I don't know, interesting, uh, I guess to me. And that once you have a kid and then especially like the second one, as I'm like running through the park, I'm like very much noticing anytime I see another child or like another parent with a child, it's like that relationship or like watching them interact, like that used to be a thing that was invisible to me as a person in the world. Like if I was like running in the park and I saw like a dad and a kid, I'd just be like, you know, what? Like they'd be invisible. I wouldn't pay attention, but r taking a run in the park now, all I see is like, what, a, what, a, how a child's acting. And it's a very fascinating thing to just kind of know that your brain has just completely found a new subset of the world in that it finds way more fascinating than it did previously. And so what are you looking for? Are you looking for like no, parenting tips no, or noticing no. <laughs> how they're interacting? I feel like that was like a, that's a good Laura question. I, I for, <laughs> for me, no, it's not, I'm not, I'm just, it's just what I just feel like the hot zone in my brain being like, that's interesting. And I'm just taking it in. I'm just like, Oh, playgrounds are everywhere. Like I'm just seeing these things and they're just like washing over me. And I'm not really like, this person's doing it right or this person's doing it. it's just like i just see them it's just like wow there they are and before i like they would have been like um i'm thinking of like a black mirror episode they would have been like a blurred pixelated like i just yeah. wouldn't take yeah, in the sure. relationship so so i don't know i think that's just i'm just remembering that like when i was going on those runs it was just like i'm sure There's there kids were everywhere. yeah there were there've always been children but now i really see them and so yeah that was kind of my my experience and uh and yeah, we we got home. We had the we had the my my mom was here. We had we had some help lined up. So I yeah, pretty smooth back here. And 
our son was, you know, thrilled to... Uh, is it a real baby? <laughs> is he a real baby? He thought he was fake because he was so small and cute. Yeah, so, so I'll yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah, so we got the adorable interaction with... Uh, with our son and yeah i don't know it was it was pretty it was for as traumatic as the whole experience was i don't know that it could have gone better um so that's that's kind of i don't that's my takeaway that's my very long <laughs> very very boring dad energy explanation at a bar uh, to my bro about uh what it was like to have the second but i feel like the second in life is always going to be stuck with like the description of their life is like second billing kind of thing. So uh, hopefully we're able to like counteract that a little bit because uh, it was beautiful in its own way. So beautiful. All right. You'll be able to, I mean, I definitely jumped in and, and told a little bit of my perspective there, but you'll be able to well, ask me some more questions. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. I, I think the, in terms of the event that's happening, uh, <laughs> it's a lot more is happening to you than it's happening. No, but to I me, am so. always interested just to know like what it was like from your your point of view i mean like the bed was not that comfortable but you got to get it you picked us up some like joe's juice smoothie ah uh, yes the I, hospital food was... <laughs> there was a joe's juice and i happened to be wearing the exact same colors as the joe juice color scheme so when i went the people in line kept thinking i was an employee so that was like, a why are little... you in line do you need are you trying to get yeah to fate fun anyway all right it is now time to jump into my mailbox but first let's take a quick sponsor break We'd like to thank our sponsor, Coors Light. The pressure and pace of an always-on world means we sometimes don't take time to savor the moments that refresh the spirit most, like summer. What do you do when you need a moment to chill in the summer? For me, I like to just, yeah, grab a, grab a beer, grab a cocktail, enjoy the, the nice sunshine. I've been going to beer gardens with my new mom crew. This is true. Um, what moms really like to do is they like to go to beer gardens. Um, beer is fun. Beer makes me feel chill and it's the summer. Um, yeah, summer always feels like the shortest season. It really does fly by, but we need to make the most of it. We all just need to chill. And as the beer that's made to chill, we want you to savor every moment of summer, rediscover and enjoy what makes summer awesome. So when we say this, like chill, you know, beer that's made to chill, what do we mean? What does that mean? It's because. It's because the Coors Light bottle, it actually, the mountains on it change. So you know when it's, when it's like really chilled to perfection. That's what's so cool about it. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, they say. Perfect for a moment to unwind this summer. Uh, Coors Light is the official beer of slowing down summer because as the beer that's made to chill... Uh, we want you to savor every second of summer. Get Coors Light summer packaging straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. I love a good packaging. Packaging's fun. And I love when stuff goes straight to my door. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. It's time to jump into the mailbox. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about reading the questions and doing the job? Angela typically well, does. big shoes to fill but uh i'll give my best to to give a read and okay. give some answers here we go okay my partner and me have been dating for four years and are talking about getting married i am really happy but there is one thing that has always been bugging me 
It sounds so silly, but is social, but it is his social media use. Uh, he is following lots of people he used to date or have flings with. He insists on still following the ones that work in his industry, entertainment, or have powerful slash important friends in the industry. I somehow understand him, and he even agreed to not like their photos anymore. Am I wrong to be upset by it? But who wouldn't? One of his exes is a famous singer who is in a private who is in private circles known for engaging in affairs with taken men, and another one has tricked him into getting her pregnant and stole money from him. They did not end up having the baby. They feel dangerous to me, and I just want them out of our life. The possibility of running into them two or three times a year is enough for me to justify being connected to them online and invite them to feel a part of our lives. It's not enough. Uh, it's not enough. Sorry. That's Important okay. word. Uh, please help. Sending lots of love. Yours, Anonymous. I love doing this question with you because like, I feel like we have like such different perspectives on this. So, Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, just because like you're just like... I don't know. Okay, I'll let you tell what you're <laughs> you know I know what you're gonna say. Uh, okay, what is what would you She's tell totally him? right. Cut all these people out of Cut his life. These bitches that, out dominate of his life. Don't let him talk to anyone that you're not perfectly <laughs> comfortable with. And you know what? Control all of his thoughts and his inner life. Because if you if you no, can't give, do that, give, give your real <laughs> back to him. Okay, what what, yeah, what, what, uh, what would you tell her? I would tell her that and you do you know, think actually, he's wrong to like still be following his exes no, for not. networking I, reasons? Yeah, I think social media is like I, I, I really I feel like we all just have to have like a internal audit on like the value of it as as a way to analyze our own lives. I think if if you're not right now having like some kind of internal like panic about like what social media means to you, it's like I don't know how I don't know how anyone functions on there. I everyone has a healthier relationship than I do at the moment because I I just lurk on it. I can't even use it anymore other than to like see friends and what they're doing. But like, I understand people feeling complicated about it. Uh, but I think that's just like a internal reflection or like an external reflection of like internal conflict they have about partnership and jealousy and trust. And it's just being like, uh, it's it, you're giving analytics to it because you're worried about follows you're worried about likes you're worried about those interactions as like tangible things and you're able to give a label to a thing that is just constantly underlying a feeling you have that you might not fully trust your partner and you're not you're not you don't want to make it that you don't want to call it that because it makes you feel bad uh i don't know your partner so maybe they're not trustworthy and the things you're describing about the people in his life you know you're you're giving reasons to say like those are untrustworthy people but to me it's like Either you, either you believe that the person that you love is going to be truthful to you, and uh, and if you do, then then you do that wholly, and it isn't it isn't for you to kind of audit how he manages his like personal and professional life. And if you don't feel that, then that's a conversation that you sort of have to have with yourself and with him, because I I just I think the social media aspect of it is like kind of trying to make it like mechanical and specific but uh but that's really what it sort of boils down to it, it, if if this was like pre-social media you would be worried about um i don't know like 
calls to the voicemail machine or something. I don't know. What did people, how did, how did people worry about jealousy before social media? But I don't know. I don't even know. Text yeah. M- or yeah. Like I don't know. Pager. Yeah. Page, yeah his, <laughs> his pager's going off every, every 10 minutes. Although if it was, you should have been worried then too. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, that's my that's my take. Where, where are you at, Laura? What's, what's I'm a, like a little bit of a hypocrite because I definitely like people. I don't know people that I that I like dated. I don't know if they're exes, whatever. That's like ambiguous an ambiguous term because at the time they it wasn't like this is my boyfriend, but like we would maybe call each other exes now. I don't know, unclear. But people that I dated for maybe like a few months or on and off for a period of time. Uh, like I still follow them and maybe they're in my industry and they'll be, let me know what's like going. I've got this movie that's coming out or I'm they're writers and I'll still follow them and like see what they're doing. And some of them all are, I'll like their posts. Cause if I don't follow them, then things didn't end great. And I don't want to know what they're doing and I don't want them in my life. Um, but the people that I have that I'm on good terms with, like I still follow and will like each other's posts. I'm like, I, and I a hundred after 11 years, like I trust you like more than I trust anybody in my life. Yet I'm still secretly glad you don't follow your two serious ex-girlfriends and like, like their posts. And I'm a total hypocrite in that, but maybe it's because those people in particular like were maybe more significant in your life than the people that I still follow like the people I followed were just like kind of more like datey flings like it wasn't like loves of my life um so I don't know I I can I can both like sympathize with her and also think and also sympathize with him in the fact that he wants to follow these people that are still in his industry, which is for the most part, the people that I still follow, they're still in my industry ish. Um, and I also sympathize with her because I'd be like, Ugh, but I just like, don't want you knowing what they're up to or like seeing a cute picture of, of these people that maybe were important to you or that you once like had, had very strong feelings for. Um, so I don't know what, to tell her other than like it seems like he's gonna follow these people but and it might create more conflict for him if he like defollows them and make things awkward for him in his industry he said he's not gonna like the posts which i think is like i know it sounds like nick doesn't like to get into the weeds of technicality but i do think that that's like an a probably like a good thing because <laughs> it won't you know so I, no, I, I don't know. I, Although maybe uh, it doesn't matter because if he's trying I, to stay on like good terms, like maybe he should yeah, be I, like liking their stuff. Totally. Just maybe not like leaving comments or DMing. Uh, I don't know. Well, I hate so social media gives me so much anxiety. I don't even know why I still. Well, hate uh, it. actually, we can get technical. DMing. Uh, that's like basically you're you're still just texting about like whatever. If that person's actually in your life and you have something to talk to them about, it doesn't really matter how you're talking to them about. Oh, that's true. It does matter if the feeling is the content of what you're texting is somehow, you know, a a violation of the trust of your partner. But that's not something you can actually like, you know, like I, I think that if you're at the place in your life where that's still feels alive and real in your heart about somebody, like it might not, the question might be for them and, or it might be for yourself about like what that is. I mean, there was something you said in your answer that it's like the idea that like, seeing a picture of a person that was significant to someone at some time, uh, the idea of your partner doing that bothers you. I, 
that baffles my mind because it, to me that's yeah. like I, I feel like that's like a thing of like maybe it's a girl thing <laughs> I, yeah I guess I don't know I, I just I, I I wonder about that because I think that that's like there's a question to ask about like what is what brings you happiness in a, in a partnership and what conflicts with that happiness like why why would it why would that concept uh, threaten the thing that you care about, and that's and I wonder yeah, about. I that. think sometimes you just can't really explain totally. it. Like I, I, I'm not that I'm probably like I'm not saying hip- it's. I'm not saying you should feel bad about. It. I'm just saying that's yeah. something to like in, inspect because I I feel like if I just don't know if it would. I mean, I don't know. Maybe at this point, it'd be like okay. Who I don't think I would care if you were liking some of their posts. Um, but they're like early on in their relationship. They're about to get married. Like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe that confidence just isn't completely there. Um, am I wrong to be upset by this? I mean, no, I want to validate your feelings that I understand them. I just don't think this is worth creating a big fight over. Um, and he's not, you know, hanging out with them one-on-one all the time. But we get we do get a lot of messages about like, yeah. is it okay that my ex is still friends totally. with his exes? And I think I, it's so. I also, it's. I think we're not giving you a very clear answer because it is so situational. It's like, who are these exes? What was their specific relationship? Like, how long did she, they date? She, yeah, she like, gave some. She gave some juicy well, deets. They, they do. You know? Yeah, they do seem kind of like shady characters. Well, but yeah, but I but I also think it's like yeah, it's it's impossible to to go into. Yeah, and also, but world. even for his like work stuff, like you probably would. He's saying it's for like networking, but like you probably wouldn't be that happy if his exes were giving him work opportunities. If you're worried about him like liking their posts, so maybe you guys just do need to have a sit down talk. And yeah, if but he's having not, yeah, but you know, it's not like that necessarily. Like the the idea, if like you're in the same industry with somebody, and then you and then and then you break and up, then you break up. The idea that you're like like cutting them out of your Social media, social media is a very specific kind of Maybe aggressive, aggressive act, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 whereas I like, think, I think you just got to like, let it be and just know that like, yeah, they're still going to run into each other and they should probably follow each other just to make like, just so that there's no bad blood. Yeah. And I, 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 almost to the point where like unfollowing and like blocking or whatever is like, to me, almost more of a warning side, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the unfollow whatever thing happens if like, at the time in your life when you break up, you're like, you know what, our lives don't need to intersect anymore. Right. Uh, but then later down the road, that's then you're getting into the like, that's weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So take what you can from that, our, those <laughs> perspectives. Um, what else do we have in the mailbox? Okay. Um, oh, yes, I see. Should I not read the name? Uh, no, he he's... he's He's cool. He's cool with it. He doesn't say, don't say my name. And, I don't want to get and, to the and end. He, and he's been it. on the, he's sent questions okay. before. All right. So this is Homero Perez. And he says, can you please, please, please do an episode on dealing with bed bugs or something? I don't have a bad infestation. I just see one at a time. Thank God. But today I saw one when I was using the bathroom. It's been stressing me out since last year as i cannot visit my family or friends because they fear spending time with me can you ask the following if they have tips or tricks or just general ideas of what works and what doesn't thank you i must say that this is the most 
Uh, this is the worst communicable anything I've ever had. I've had all STDs at least <laughs> once. <laughs> Normalized testing as routine, people. Yes. We're very against ST, <laughs> STI, STD shaming, first of all. And yes, these those they should all be routine. Um, okay. So ask the following. I think this is the best way. Like if anybody else has any <laughs> tips or tricks, you can message and we'll probably read it in a later episode. But I can answer this because when I was first started dating Nick early uh-huh. on, uh-huh. I got the a really bad bed bug infestation and i totally know what he's going through because it was the most stressful psychologically like traumatizing experience i've ever been through i was scared to sleep in my bed because i felt like there were bugs all over me but then the advice is like don't go sleep in your living room because they'll follow you there and follow your scent there i think i started sleeping in my bathtub because it like wasn't a mattress that they could get me to it was awful it was horrible i think nick was out of town i called my parents crying begging them to come to help me i like I had to call the super and like they brought people in. They couldn't find them. And I was like, I know they're there because I have bites and I've seen one. Finally, after like three trips, they brought a bed bug dog, which is like a very cute little, I think it was a beagle dog. And the beagle was like, yep, they're in the bed. And I was like, see, had to get a new mattress. Nick kindly, (laughs) he bought me a new dresser to help the cause. Um, But it was awful. I had to put all my, okay. So anyways, it was awful, awful experience. I have to tell you, Mr. Perez, you need to deal with this. Like you have a massive infestation. I know you're telling me you don't, you only see them one at a time, but where there's one, there could be many and like they lay eggs and it could just blow up into a big infestation. You have to treat it like you have a major infestation, which you might have. You just don't even know it. And they can hide in like wood, the cracks of your, of your, um, like picture frames. Like I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just trying to you got to take this seriously. You have to like basically heat all of your clothes or take them to the dry cleaner, get rid of your mattress, get a bed, get a new one, get a bed bug cover for it. And, um, you got to like, you just, I don't know, Google like how to treat bed bug infestation and like follow the protocol to a T and like, get, get rid of this, get this out of your life. Cause it will, it's one of like the worst things, but, um, you can get them anyway from a taxi movie theater like i i don't like i'm terrified of getting bed bugs again it was one of the worst experiences i've ever been through did you ever get them i did i i I think that if someone were to come up with like the worst possible thing for you particularly to be (laughs) haunted by yeah for you i feel like this is like tiny invisible things that like attack you at night and then just grow uh and you and that get worse that can they, be hiding in the crack yeah. of anything and then lay eggs and then have yeah. and then and then have yeah. like even more and like and and you can have somebody come and spray but like there's no way to get them all yeah exactly this is a it's a true nightmare i did i i have i think i i think i've told this story before maybe even on the podcast maybe not but uh I've probably had the only positive bed bug experience because <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, because I was in a, a a not great relationship that had sort of fallen to a bad place and that was try I was trying to no longer live uh, with the person that I was living with um, but they were not trying to leave uh, <laughs> that arrangement and uh, I am maybe the only person who was happy to have found out that my apartment had bed bugs because it meant that. We just had to pack every single thing that we owned into 
boxes and bags, which meant that uh, it was a little bit easier to uh, to then uh, have people move out that needed to move out. So, uh, so I when the dog barked at my apartment, I was thrilled. So I don't know. <laughs> so maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe find a positive here. Maybe I don't know. Get get something. Maybe it's a chance to like get rid of yeah, some stuff. Maybe this you is maybe this is like a extreme extreme Mary Kondo situation where yeah. like you know now you can throw some stuff out. Mary but Kondo. yeah, you gotta. You got to do it. You got to, you got to follow everything. And follow if you can afford it, you got to hire the people. And if you can't afford it, then you got to go full psycho mode and like put everything into the, those vacuum seal bags for months and throw them in the dryer. Like it, you got to do crazy stuff. If it's you're, cra- it's yeah. crazy. It's awful. I'm so sorry you're going through this. And I, and you, you really, if you find one bed bug, like that's just the one that like snuck out and <laughs> <laughs> made itself visible they're like vampires they they hide and they come out at night when you can't see them so go through the stuff all right well if you want your listener questions answered email us email us about anything about love about bed bugs um i feel like since we we changed the podcast i'm i don't know i'm noticing a little bit less emails so email me your questions about anything at contact at this is why the podcast.com dming us on our instagram at this is why the pod might be easier do that too and uh, next up, we're going to talk about what's in the news. But first, let's thank our sponsors. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Coors Light. The pressure and pace of an always-on world means we sometimes don't take time to savor the moments that refresh the spirit most, like summer. What do you do when you need a moment to chill in the summer? For me, I like to just, yeah, grab a, grab a beer, grab a cocktail. Enjoy the the nice sunshine. I've been going to beer gardens with my new mom crew. This is true. Um, what moms really like to do is they like to go to beer gardens. Um, beer is fun. Beer makes me feel chill. And it's the summer. Um, yeah, summer always feels like the shortest season. It really does fly by. But we need to make the most of it. We all just need to chill. And as the beer that's made to chill, we want you to savor every moment of summer, rediscover and enjoy what makes summer awesome. So when we say this like, chill you know beer that's made to chill what do we mean what does that mean it's because it's because the Coors Light bottle it actually the mountains on it change so you know when it's when it's like really chilled to perfection that's what's so cool about it Coors Light is cold lagered cold filtered and cold packaged it is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies they say perfect for a moment to unwind this summer uh, Coors Light is the official beer of slowing down summer because as the beer that's made to chill, uh, we want you to savor every second of summer. Get Coors Light summer packaging straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. I love a good packaging. Packaging's fun. And I love when stuff goes straight to my door. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Nicholas, what have you been reading that you want to discuss with our with me and inform our listeners about? Ah, uh, yes. All right. So my tight the my article's title is why you should give your partner the gift of time apart. And Are you trying to like tell me something <laughs> here, here? I had picked a very different article that was about sharing domestic activity, uh, things domestic. It- uh, helping around the house yeah, and felt, you changed it. <laughs> it felt very, very on the nose. I think uh, we're maybe trying to give each other uh-huh. some, some. Well, they, 
Well, I didn't pick the uh, why you should give your podcast host a passive aggressive uh, title comment article. So I said, here's one I found. Feel free to uh-huh. change. And but I at changed. least, but at I least changed. you changed it. But at least mm-hmm. you, you got to read that article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I no, no, uh, I was really wasn't doing that. I you help out a lot around the house, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, now you want why, some time, and now because of that, you want some time apart. So this is by uh, Jancy, Jancy, I think I'm saying that right. Jancy Dunn, she's writing in the New York Times, the the gray lady. Uh, her article is basically about uh, post COVID. She's talking about the gift of giving your partner time to themselves, and I think this is pretty resonant for people who have children. Uh, she basically talks about how her husband's gift to her was uh, that he, instead of like doing a big family day, that he told her uh, to take the day off and do whatever she wanted. Uh, and she, for her, that was the perfect solution. So she goes into the differences of personality types in terms of like what, why they would what they would do with quality time and, or, or sorry, uh, independent time. So she talks about how introverts would sort of see that as, you know, an opportunity to kind of go into themselves and do whatever they want, how an extrovert might see that as like, Oh, great. An opportunity to catch up with friends. Uh, and yeah, so she gives, I'll, I'll read a little section of it here because I think this is, uh, yeah, I don't know if this interested me, but she says, blocking off time should be intentional with agreed upon number of hours, she added. If your loved one doesn't want to be contacted during that time, honor that commitment. During my lunch with friends, I told my husband, no text unless fire, food, or blood. Uh, free time may look different to introverts and extroverts. A person who is introverted suggested Susan Cain, the author of The Quiet Power of Introverts. Uh, they might need time alone because it helps them recharge. In general, introverts require a lot less stimulation than extroverts um, to be in their sweet spot. And she leaves with a quote from the poet Byron who said, I only go out to get me a fresh appetite for being alone. Anyway. Beautiful. So, you're, you you're defi- I think you're, like an, you're an introvert. Yeah, and, and probably to an extreme. And so I think that that's, uh, that's why this article <laughs> resonated with me. Yeah. Uh, but when you... When you read this article or think about this article what uh what do you think um no i i think uh i i like that a lot i i think we try to do that with each other i i think like early on when i was like oh we've got a really easy second baby like you can actually go back to the studio and start like having some time to yourself earlier than i ever thought i would be encouraging that um it like felt good to give you that gift because i know how important it is to you and you do that for me like like all the time like like I if I ask for it the answer is always yes and that feels like a great safe space to know that like if I need it you will always like take the kids or the kid right now it's a little harder because one has to feed a lot so um but um yeah I think we kind of recognize that about each other I probably would spend my time with friends i'm more of the extrovert um like i do need alone time but but everybody does like introverts need to see people extroverts need to read their books and have alone time and i think the pandemic has made me like appreciate alone time a lot a lot more but i i but i really do just enjoy like my family time so on a family day i would just prefer to be 
all together than like be doing something by myself. I would be having like, oh, what's my family doing? Um, so I, I definitely need less alone time than than you do. But um, but yeah, this yeah, this article I, resonates. I think there's like a, you know, we're in a, we have two young kids, so alone time is like a fairly limited commodity for us. But I think this is something that like people in relationships that don't have children, uh it's this could be a little bit more of a conflict point because i think you do see people who don't necessarily they think like well what why do you need to be like you they could find it offensive yeah right or like why don't you want to be around me or around yeah and i and i can it's taken me a long time to like understand you and and like and like how like and you've done a good job like articulating it to to me um but yeah I, I definitely understand how that could be like a conflict point and it's and um yeah so it's yeah. just something to something to think about depending on you know how people's internal mechanics work and whether you trust that what you know how they feel about their time is that they you know whatever it could be significant to want sort of time apart and not see that as like something insulting as opposed to just like important to a certain kind of person i mean i remember when i first moved in with you and i was in the studio the very first night and i was like laying in this bed that was not mine i remember having an internal freak out of just really realizing like holy shit there's no room in here that's just mine like i don't have my own space because i've always lived with roommates like i've never been able to like afford living by myself but I always had my own room like since I was a little kid and I remember that was the first moment where I was like oh my god I don't have my own room and and like they're yeah they're like they're worth so I don't know just especially if you're we get a lot of messages about people that are like thinking about moving in with somebody just realizing you are gonna need to give this gift to to your partner and you might need it yourself especially if you're moving in with a partner even if you have roommates it's just it's different when you are sharing a, a bedroom with somebody. Um, okay. You want to know what I've been reading? I do. So our good friends at Wallet Hub, they love sending me their their studies that they do. And this one I thought was was fun because people are – travel's opening up a little bit, but people are still a little wary to maybe go, you know, halfway across the world or at least – some people are that feeling that way. I certainly am. So they identify the best spots for staying local. They compared more than 180 cities across 46 key indicators of fun-filled yet wallet-friendly staycations. Um, their data ranged from parks per capita to restaurant meal costs to the share of residents who are vaccinated. Um, have you already like looked at this? Uh, I'm taking it in. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to try to have you guess, but the first one made me laugh so much because they said (laughs) the number one best city for a staycation was uh, Honolulu, (laughs) Hawaii. And I was like, yeah, no shit. If you live in Hawaii, you don't need to go anywhere because you live in like the best place in the world. But I was like, that's hilarious that like, yeah, oh, Honolulu, Hawaii, like, duh. Um, But the, the, sometimes I like, I'm find myself surprised by their answers but the first three didn't surprise me so um honolulu yes of course number two was orlando florida and like i personally don't have no interest in going to orlando but florida has a lot of like beautiful beaches and i can understand how it'd be like easy to find little enclaves of like beachy towns that could be nice yeah i don't know that one that one's a little terrifying to me because that's, I don't know, just Disney is just so 
Yeah. The, oh, uh, Disney. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but. Well, but I get it. I, I, at least I can understand it. And then number three is San Francisco, which I totally agree with. I've had a few friends that have moved up north in the last few years. And like, I'm, I'm assuming that you, if you're doing a staycation, you could at least go a little far. But like there's Napa and there's. <laughs> no, you, can't, you, can't, you can't leave for a staycation. But it's like 45 minutes away. That counts, right? No? Uh, it would say Napa if it was the best city. I, I mean, guess. Okay, that's feels, true. That feels like cheating. All right. I'll quickly read some of the other top ones. Charleston. I don't. Yeah, maybe. Las Vegas. Strong disagree. <laughs> Port, Portland. Um, Portland, I get because. Yeah, kind of honestly, I've heard Portland's like similar to where we live in Brooklyn. It's like similar hipster vibes and cute little boutiques and cafes. Um, Chicago, love Chicago. Seattle surprises me because it's just raining all the time. And <laughs> we're, we're, we're losing fans and friends. Uh, I don't know. If you live in these places, tell me. Maybe they're disagree. great. I'm sure they're great. I'm um, sure. San Diego, I totally agree with my friends to, that are that live in San Diego have been like, killing it at life this last year it just looks they're just like at the beach and playing tennis and doing all these beautiful outdoor things and san diego's great and then cincinnati ohio you're from ohio what are your thoughts on that being in the top 10 i'm from a suburb of cleveland so there's really there's two cities there's two large cities in ohio which is cincinnati and cleveland that's the opposite ends and then columbus which is like you know ohio state but like i've driven through cincinnati but i just have no feeling about it i've never been there it's surprising for me to see it on the list, but hey, maybe he's got a great local culture. I just don't know about. That's that's probably true of like all these. I, I yeah, just... sure. I don't. I'm being yeah. I'm passing just my judgment based yeah. on my my vague idea I, of these spaces. I guess they all do kind of seem other than Honolulu. They, they all kind of strike me as like surprising. Surprising. You know yeah. what? You're right that you can't go to Napa because I'm looking at the worst cities for staycation. And they have North Las Vegas uh-huh. on here, so like Las <laughs> Vegas is on there. But if you're in North Las Vegas, like you, you are shit out of luck. That is. Um, uh, also, like some of the worst is Newark, New Jersey. So oh, yeah, so yeah, 30. I guess if you're in Newark, you can't even go across the water to like come to New York or or come to New York City or Brooklyn. Um. Chesapeake isn't apparently okay. I'll, the worst one that they have was Fremont, California. Free, so sorry if you live in Fremont. Um, all right, I'll read a couple more of um, how they came to their decision. So New York City has the most parks per square foot of population, which yeah, but they, but New York didn't even make the top. The yeah, top I know. 10. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, uh, Orlando, Florida has the most zoos and aquariums, which I guess factored into how they made it in the top list um cleveland ohio most swimming pools per capita did you know this nick cleveland ohio uh, do a lot of people have swimming pools where are you from i mean i guess uh, that's fairly shocking to me but like i can't believe they have more than like where you're from and yeah and then it says fewest swimming pools is anaheim what which is not that far from where where i am um where where i grew up most tennis courts per capita honolulu hawaii uh, I didn't know that they loved tennis there so much. I I just pictured lots of surfers and just like beach goers playing beach volleyball, but they love their tennis apparently. Uh, fewest ten- tennis courts, Bakersfield. No, not a lot of tennis players in Bakersfield. <laughs> okay, what are some other fun facts? Um, I read you about the most zoos. Okay, fewest zoos, New York, um, which I don't have a problem with because I'm not a big fan of zoos. I don't like encaging animals. Not a fan unless it's a um, 
like a rehabilitation or a um I know they people are really going hard at uh Chula Vista. Do you know Chula Vista, California? Not really. But that's probably is, why. But they've got fewest swimming pools. They're they're kind of a, they've got the fewest museums. This Gotta step really, it up. Yeah, really step it up went Chula. after Chula. Uh all right. So anyways, um yeah, maybe consider the staycation if you <laughs> Are not ready for your travel. What's uh? What's your perfect version? I guess see, this is New York staycation. I'll tell you because we just discovered right. it. Go ahead. We went to Governor's Island, mm-hmm. and they had their glamping tents on Governor's Island. I mm-hmm. think Governor's Island can count as a staycation because it's yeah. like. And I would love to do that with a bunch of friends. It it looked really fun. There was like a bar and a restaurant, and you could like overlook the city. So for my staycation in New York, was that what you were going to ask me before I cut you off? Yeah, no, basically. What, I think that'd be really it? fun to like camp, but not have like all the bugs. <laughs> I mean, there might be some bugs on Governor's Island, but it's not. You're not in the woods, and there's no probably no snakes. So I would like <laughs> to do this glamping on Governor's Island. What about you? Ah, for staycation, um. That's a good question. I I asked a question I have no real answer to. Uh, You're excited about the glamping. Yeah, I think that would be fun. I think we should do that, definitely. Yeah, we were going to do it for Father's Day, but he was like, let's do it with friends. I was like, yeah, it'll be better with friends. Definitely. Uh, all right, that's it for our news stories. And now we're almost at the end of the podcast, but Nick's going to grill me on the birth in the, uh. next ep- in the next segment. It is time for our topic of the week. This week's topic is Laura has another human, the birth story number two. Um, you heard a little bit about the birth, a lot about the birth earlier on in the show. Um, before we wrap up, um, do you have any questions for me that you don't know or like haven't ha- have been like too scared to ask me? Now's your time. I'm on the air. You can. <laughs> I'm on the mic. You can ask me anything you want. Well, we kind of we kind of shared responsibilities talking about in the first half so i guess i would just like let's i stole your story no you didn't steal my story i think you know it's our story together and we did it together it's nice but i would just say like let's 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 zoom out and just like you know reflect on is you now have two beautiful young boys is this like how you imagine motherhood to be like what is what is from your perceptions if you could jump back five or 10 years in time and you've thought about being a mother, uh, how does your lived reality and experience compared to this? It's, um, I mean, this is, I don't, I think it's because we're, I have like a great partner and we're very like privileged and that we like can have help and we are surrounded by like a lot of great friends, but it's a million times better than I think I could have ever anticipated it. Okay. I love it. I love everything. I yeah? love being a mother. Wow. Even when it's like there's moments where it's hard or I'm really tired. I think it's also that I I it's funny because I was on the Dr. Fox's podcast talking about my uterus and he was like, you know, given all the anxiety you went through, both pregnancies and everything turned out fine. Do you wish you just like never knew about your about like your your circumstance like would it have saved you like so much anxiety and all these like and I was like yeah I wish I never knew and then as soon as we stopped recording I thought about that answer 
And I was like, wait, that's not true at all. I am so glad that I knew. I think I have such, I, I would appreciate their existence and like what the, a miracle it is to create a human regardless. But knowing that I've overcome that like that they really are miracles and the people that have my condition like that I know people that have have had have had so much more trouble or it didn't go as as easy just makes me appreciate them being alive and how healthy they are and that I was able to carry them and give birth I don't I just I look at them I'm just like you're alive you are a miracle and like I I try to tell them every day like I'm so grateful to be your mom I love being your mom. I'm so grateful that you chose me. I try to tell them this every day because I really believe it with my whole, whole heart. I'm grateful for all the new friends in my life because of them, like all these new mom friends and friends with parents that I never would have, that do interesting things and are interesting people that I would have never ran into because they're not my neighbors or I don't work with them. It's so hard to meet people in your 30s and I'm grateful for all the new new friends in my life I they say the funniest things every single day I I love being a mother like so much I I think I knew I always wanted to be but I love it I just love it I'm I'm like oh my god what if I couldn't have had children I don't I don't it would how awful for me as for me particularly like not for I know everybody doesn't feel this this way but well, that's beautiful. I, <laughs> yeah. What's the worst thing about me? No, okay. Uh, yeah, I. Th- that's it. I don't. I, I think our our life and our story is kind of unfolding in real time, and it's it's. I think having kids makes things extremely immediate, and I, and I don't feel. Um, yeah, I don't. I, it's it's hard to be like. Uh, super philosophical about it because most days. Uh, the problems and things that we need to think about and do are just actually grabbing our legs and yelling at us in like a really loving way. So I don't know. That's, it was, it was really amazing to watch. Um, both times you manage the incredible challenge of growing a human and then knowing that you had to sort of go through surgery to bring them into the world and do that with strength. And, um, and I just feel very, um, yeah, I feel really lucky to be your partner because I got to do all the, you know, the easy parts of that. And, and, um, and now I have two beautiful children because of it. So I love you and I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I don't even know. What are we going to say after that? <laughs> that was, the, I yeah, was very like, sappy. I'm sorry. <laughs> very sappy way to end the show, Aww. but let's do it. That is it for this week's This Is Why podcast. I'm excited to be back next week with Angela, and uh, I'm sure she'll have other questions for me too because we, we've kind of been saving all of our catch-ups for the show. Um, thank you for listening. I missed you guys for the last month. It's good to be back. Check out our book, This Is Why You're Single, and my sort of new book. It's been out a year now, Cinderella in the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales. They're available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and your local indie bookstores. Um, get hooked up with discounts from all of our our sponsors and follow us on on instagram and twitter also please like and subscribe on itunes it really does help us thanks for listening tune in next week for a whole new show this is why
This is why pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why the podcast. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>